Extraordinary Terrestrials presents The Eyes That Stare Out From The Dark. Entry. After Andy and Ginny allowed me to view the room of the incident, I had nowhere else to go but home. There still came a comfort in knowing that they were just across the street, equally unnerved but eager to face the issue. Few others seemed to have that mentality. I asked Andy why they hadn't left town yet, and he laughed. He said that was the question everyone was asking him, and admitted that Marie had been apartment hunting, but they would have to break their lease agreement if they left now. He then asked me why I hadn't left yet, as if this was a typical small-talk question for neighbors to exchange. I struggled for an answer. I told him I couldn't leave without knowing more. For the second time today, I was told to take care of myself, and I reciprocated the suggestion. Andy and Ginny watched me leave from their front door. Then Ginny told me to be careful. This made the three of us pause. Meaning it, I told her I would be careful and that they too should be careful. Then I walked home. After seeing the poor dog's silhouette burned into the wall of Dawn's bedroom like a Hiroshima victim, I'd almost started thinking I was ready for any other horrors the night had in store for me. It was arrogant of me to think this. The first thing I noticed when I got home was how warm it was inside. I've opened all my windows since. Then I saw the second set of footprints and began to seriously reconsider my conviction to learn more. Perhaps this wasn't worth the education. Perhaps I'm in danger. I had these thoughts while yet again shivering on my front deck, unable to set foot back inside. I recalled a pastime that I had stood on the deck with my heart pounding when there had been a massive, angry wasp trapped inside. The wasp likely killed itself from panic, exhaustion, and stress within an hour of being trapped inside, but... I was trapped in my own paranoia for days after the incident. I hadn't seen it die, I hadn't even found its remains, so I couldn't be sure it was truly dead. I was facing the same scenario now, and just as last time, I was being stupid about it. So, I steeled myself and went back inside, right into the living room, right by the footprints, and confirmed my source of dread. There is now another set of footprints directly in front of the earlier ones. As if someone took one step forward and is now waiting there. I say now because these indentations are not as deep as the older set. These ones haven't stressed the hardwood to the extent of the other pair yet. I began a preliminary investigation, waving my hand through the air above each of the footprints, 
nothing. Feeling reinforced by this, I touched the very edge of the newer sinkholes. It was warm, but not hot. I noticed another detail while looking at the older set. Not only are the imprints foot-shaped, I can almost make out five toes on each foot. Could these tracks be humanoid? I now sit in my bedroom with the door open, unable to look away from the living room for too long. I go through the list of facts, but they offer little comfort or understanding. Despite these new indentations and the impressive heat, there is no proof of any other beings in my apartment excepting myself. That being said, proof can only go so far. My sense is that I am not alone. Entry. I just realized something. The second set of footprints are positioned very close to the living room wall. On the other side of that wall is my bedroom closet. The newer footprints are much deeper than when I checked on them an hour ago. It has gotten much warmer, too. Unbearable, almost. I don't know what is keeping me here. I've started packing bags, but I have to keep taking breaks because of the heat. Entry. I packed up my car. I'm watching from the deck now. It's much more tolerable out here. Last I checked, the second set of footprints had reached the same depth as the first. I haven't looked in since around 10.30 p.m. It's almost midnight now. I can feel the heat radiating off the vinyl siding of the house. I can't decide whether to go in one more time and try to get a look, or to simply leave before it's too late, before something explodes and my apartment becomes a charred skeleton. I thought of the things Jim said about what was in Don's room, how it hadn't meant to be detected, how it was a silent observer. I thought about my own realization in the supermarket earlier today. Is this town being watched? Are there more? Does each house have one? Are other floorboards melting, other walls blackening? Looking at the houses around mine, most of the driveways are empty, save Andy's. Maybe Andy and Ginny are in the clear, considering they've already been struck. Maybe they can sleep easy. There are sirens baying in the distance. Entry. I'm going in. I'm going to look. I have to.
Entry. Whatever they are, they came to watch. I record this in a motel room. After fleeing my apartment, I drove for three hours. I'm exhausted. I can't sleep. When I opened the door to my apartment that last time, the wall of heat that rushed me was in such great contrast with the cold air outside. I actually observed steam rising out of the entry. I left the door open, understanding that I would need a quick route out. I knew exactly where the source of the anomaly stemmed from. There was no avoiding it anymore. It was hiding in there. Hiding. I tried to understand why my mind was so drawn specifically to this word. If I couldn't physically see it, if it had already given itself away with the footprints, why bother hiding? What rational reason could it have? Perhaps it wasn't rational. I found myself tiptoeing and creeping through my darkened apartment, my heart pounding in my ears, my breath heavily exiting my mouth, my sinuses too insulted by the temperature to function. I passed the unchanged footprints in the living room and entered my bedroom. I observed my scented candles on the bureau, the wax liquefied in the jars. Perhaps I hallucinated this in the dim lighting, but the image of my closet door seemed to writhe and waver as if I was looking at it through hot air rising from a charcoal grill or asphalt in the sun. I thought of atmospheric gases passing in front of stars, making them twinkle to the naked eye. My closet door. The white paint glistened in the light from a street lamp outside. The finish on the wood floor was sticky under my shoes. It was time I opened that door. I went to reach for the metal knob, but thought better of it. It radiated the heat of a freshly boiled pot of tea. I remembered what Ginny had said about her brother's door. She'd used her sleeve. I used the hem of my sweater, the hot metal still managing to permeate the wool. Before opening it, I hesitated. Letting the reality hit me as much as possible. It was hiding in the dark behind that door. I was not alone in my apartment. Something dangerous was hiding behind a door I was about to knowingly open. I opened the door. And heard my neglected dresses and button-up shirts rustle from the sudden exposure to new air and from something else. A hot wind blew outward, brushing up against me, 
causing my weight to fall back on my heels. I felt ill. It was impossible to look directly at it. This was not just because of the darkness, but also the concern that it would burn my eyes. I got the paradoxical sense that by looking into the dark, I was looking directly into the sun. But I could feel it. I could feel a lot of things. I could feel its eyes examining me, trying to understand me. I could feel its raw energy. And I in turn understood something about it. Human beings rely on replenishing energy in order to continue with each day. We eat, we sleep, and in so doing, we survive. Whatever this thing was, whatever these things are, they work in an opposite kind of fashion, like footage of an atom bomb in slow motion. They must constantly expel energy to survive. Maybe near the end, all that energy concatenates into one big flash. Or maybe they have no end, and they just rematerialize and combust over and over again, brighter and hotter each time. Whatever may be the case, all these thoughts happening at once in that moment led me to understand true rational fear. Something that does not realize the threat it poses is just as dangerous, if not more, than something that acts with ill intent. I felt its fear. It felt mine. These beings, they are not evil. They do not intend to do harm. Yet they do not understand that despite all these things, they will destroy us. Absorbing and growing from my own fear, that thing in my closet got more dangerous with each passing moment. I wondered if I was wrong with my initial assumption that these beings are opposite to humans. For isn't fear its own kind of expelled energy? Isn't a scream so much like an explosion. There was no blast, no flash, no atomic bang, as far as I know. Granted, I did not stick around to witness one. For all I know, my apartment is now a pile of ashes blowing away. I'm more inclined to believe it is just as I left it, in which case the conversation with my landlord is bound to be difficult. I left the windows wide open in the dead of winter, and with those dents in the floor, the chances of getting my security deposit back are very slim. <laughs> the chances are even slimmer if that thing is still hiding in my closet. Though I did leave the door open this time. Surely that counts for something. Entry. 
I just remembered something that may be important. When I checked into this motel, I noticed the young man running the desk had bags under his eyes. I haven't decided if this is a detail I should take into account or ignore. Thus concludes The Eyes That Stare Out From The Dark, an Extraordinary Terrestrials production. It was written, read, and recorded by Miriam Rimkunis. Music and art are also by Miriam Rimkunis. All rights reserved. The Sirens were recorded by Freesound user LG. A link to their recording is in the show notes, which is where you can also find links to the podcast's social media, website, and Patreon. Thanks for listening, and Happy Halloween!